Thank you for listening to Spiritual Teachings with Shunyamurti, recorded live at the Sat Yoga Ashram in Costa Rica. To join us for a life-changing meditation retreat, or to make a donation to support this transformational work, please visit our website, www.satyoga.org. To access more teachings or guided meditations from Shunyamurti, please visit the members section of our website or our YouTube channel, Sat Yoga Institute. Namaste. I had originally planned to teach stage three meditation tonight, but I was given orders not to do so. That uh, the group was not ready for this. It was too advanced. And I could tell from the reaction to stage two meditation that that was already too much for people. So I won't burden you with stage three. Most people are not ready for it. And although some said it was too complex, I don't think it was really complex. What I think is that it contained unbearable knowledge that people were not ready to face. And so the intellect had to reject it and distort it and turn it into something complex. It's really all very simple. And in fact, what I think is important to understand, even though we're not going to go into the details of the third stage, is that the initial ancient mantra, the pranava, the om, is based on these three stages of meditation. The ah is the first stage in which the third eye is opened. The u refers to the heart. The third stage is the mm, and then of course there's the final dot that completes the process. And this mantra was always given in order to remind people of the stages of meditation and to be able to move through all the various processes that used to be transmitted from guru to disciple, but only for those disciples who are ready for it. If it's given prematurely, it's not accurate. And there are some things that must not be given at the wrong time, or they will backfire, they will have a negative result, or the information would be misused, or people would jump to working at a higher stage than they should be working at, etc., etc. And there are some things that, of course, um, should never be taught, and there are some things that cannot be taught. They, They cannot be transmitted, at least in words. They can only be received uh, vibrationally and directly from the source. But what is important is that uh, we are in a school for those who want to become avatars. And if you do not have that intention, you won't be able to get a lot of the information that is being given which is being offered as a very practical guide for those who want to go up step by step to that highest level of consciousness and do so in as quick and as uh, effortless and as accurate a way as possible.
not everyone is ready for that, certainly. But as we go along and the teachings uh, are more advanced, I am going to have to bifurcate uh, classes and only give the really new advanced material to those who are ready for it and uh, not burden those who are not. But the, the advanced knowledge will have to be given to those who are ready for it because that's also an obligation. So just to understand that it's, it's something that ultimately has to be uh, transmitted on a one-to-one -one basis. It can't be given, as we get to the higher stages, to a group made up of people who are at different levels. But I do want to teach you something about the third stage and to prepare you so that hopefully you will be ready for it. Because that's also an imperative of this time, that a certain number of those who are ready will uh, be able to make use of the information to... Um, be adequate to the challenges that will be faced, that will have to be faced, that will not be able to be avoided. And that, in fact, must be faced if our mission is to be completed. But that will require tremendous courage, purity of heart, wisdom, and uh, unity with the source of being. We talked the other day about the fact that if a pickpocket sees a saint, all he sees are his pockets. But what happens to the saint? When the saint sees the pickpocket, all he sees is a saint, or at least a potential saint. And if an avatar meets the pickpocket, he will see an avatar. The key understanding for transformation is that everything is a function of vibrational frequency. We can talk about the VFC level, the vibrational frequency of consciousness. It is the capacity to regulate, modulate, raise, and sometimes lower that frequency that will determine one's capacity to navigate through reality successfully. The shift in vibrational frequency should happen from the top down. In other words, from the level of pure spirit, pure consciousness itself, the vibrational frequency of the various subtle and gross bodies will shift their vibrational frequency. 
but it can also happen from the bottom up. <clears throat> Why? Because vibrational frequency can be altered by the simple matter of adding a particular kind of crystal to the space in which consciousness is vibrating. And if that crystal contains a vibrational frequency slightly higher, a very, very slight shift in frequency will change your world. Your vibrational frequency level determines your world. This is a very important secret because you don't have to fight with your world to change it. You change your frequency and your world changes along with that. And so everything we're learning here in terms of meditation is how to lift the vibrational frequency to the level of the absolute. There's nothing else that really needs to be learned but that. Now, all molecules have a crystalline form. And so I know that everyone here has probably seen that famous movie about water, right? And, and uh, crystals, ice crystals. And if someone uh, puts high meditative energy into the water, the water molecule itself will take a different shape, right? It will, it will hold the essence of that vibrational frequency. And then if someone drinks that water, that has uh, taken on the frequency of someone who is at a, an avataric level of consciousness, they're going to jump, at least temporarily, in their frequency. And if they are drinking water that was uh, uh, cursed by uh, black magic practitioners and you drink that, you're not going to feel very good. And it, and it can create, literally, uh, very, very grave problems for people. And so all of us are always not only in a state of vibrational frequency, but we are emanating that frequency, and we are uh, receiving it. If the frequency level is very strong and very high, it produces a protective auric shield so that negative vibrations can't get through and can't harm you. So it's a very important protective envelope of subtle energetic uh, energy fields, fields because there are several layers that can be constructed to keep out negative energies, including radiation if one is very strong, meaning nuclear <coughs> radiation. The vibrational frequency of someone who is in a, a very high state of consciousness will affect the local space around them and any matter that is in that local space. And so I remember at the ashram that I was studying at in India, most of my time there, was, uh, was very concerned 
that the people who were preparing food were the ones at the highest level of vibrational frequency. And they literally uh, tested everyone there. And the guy who was putting out the most consistent, blissful love energy, they gave the name Yogi Raj to. <laughs> and, uh, and they had him stand there in front of these big pots you know, of lentils. And he would just stir it all day. And he was in a love trance. you know. <laughs> He didn't want to do anything else but just stir the lentils and put love into them. And you would eat those lentils and you go into a trance yourself. I mean, it had that effect. You didn't have to meditate. You didn't have to do it. just show up for lunch <laughs> and you'd be liberated. It was really that powerful. So I always wanted to work in the kitchen next to the guy, you know, and uh, see if I could resonate with him and, you know, stir the the rice or whatever I was given to do in the same way. Uh, but you had to earn your right to even, you know, participate in it. This was the highest activity in the ashram, okay? The teachers didn't have to be at such a high level, but the people at the kitchen did because they were changing the molecules of what you were going to take in, and that was going to affect you far more than the concepts of the teachings. So... This was the real core of the ashram's engine that through the emanation of this divine love and bliss and wisdom that was coming out of the yogis who were preparing the food transformed literally the physical organism uh, through that uh, vibrational frequency being uh, transmitted to the cellular uh, structure of the body. In the same way, people who take certain psychedelic substances like cannabis or ayahuasca or mushrooms, what's really happening is a, a crystal is coming in from one of those substances and passing through the blood-brain barrier. And that crystal, as long as it still holds that vibrational frequency, it's changing the way that your brain is vibrating and allowing an entirely different level of information to come in, at least for whatever, a few minutes, if it's DMT, or a few hours, if it's psilocybin, or uh, a longer period, if it's ayahuasca. But it's, it's bringing in a huge amount of higher level vibrational information than your ego would allow in otherwise. Now, the problem with trying to get the information that way is this, and, and I think Terence McKenna is our, um, uh, our example, unfortunately, and I think McKenna's error was this. He didn't do any meditation or purification of the soul. Instead of that, he went right into taking the substances. And when he was on these massive doses of psilocybin, he was still in an ego state trying to deal with this information and energy that was way too overwhelming for him. And so what happens when you get information that you are not ready to integrate or deal with, you have to block it. And the soul first tries to block it on a software level with the sensor. But when you're under massive doses of psilocybin, that isn't going to work anymore. Your sensor is gone. You know, you, you have no internal subtle ways of defending yourself against an overdose of truth. And so although truth heals, it can also kill. 
And I believe that he got his brain tumor because that was the only way he could block the amount of information that was coming to him in his brain through uh, receiving, uh, through taking this, this dose that, that created very high level crystalline vibrations that were bringing in, because the brain is a transceiver, uh, information that he was now attuned to that his ego could not tolerate. And, and could not digest, could not receive, had to reject, and it had to literally block it physically with a tumor. This is one of the dangers and why I don't recommend uh, taking those kinds of substances until at least one has been uh, prepared through purification practices that are natural. Because all that these substances are doing are mimicking crystals that are produced endogenously by the brain itself. That's why they work. If your brain didn't produce those chemicals when you are in higher meditative states, then these uh, substances would not have any effect on you. But what they do is fool the brain into thinking that you have reached a high meditative state and now you're tuning to these higher frequency levels of information and you're ready to receive them. But if you're not, because the brain got tuned but the ego didn't, then there's going to be a glitch and uh, the system is not going to function accurately and, and it will be dealt with karmically. Okay? So that's just a cautionary tale, but I think it's, it's, it's useful to us uh, to understand that this uh, principle operates whether one is taking in exogenously substances or even if just one is in an energy field that has too high a vibrational frequency for you to deal with. And that's why a lot of visitors who come here get sick and, and they can't even come to classes. They'll, they'll, they'll have headaches, they'll have stomach aches, they'll have all kinds of physical symptoms because they could not take the shock of a differential vibrational frequency level than what they were used to. And if it gets raised too high, then you know, people run away screaming and never want to come back. So that's why we have to modulate how we uh, present vibrationally who we are and what we're doing and, uh, and why certain kinds of teachings have to be kept to, uh, to those who are prepared for them. Okay, now this understanding of vibrational frequency can be looked at in a historical context as well. When you go back to the Copper Age, the previous Yuga before Kali Yuga, the world was uh, brought to a state of peace, planetary peace, through the maintenance of its vibrational frequency by very, very, very powerful yogis. And how they did this was by extending and magnifying the vibrational resonance energies so that they would be broadcast and connected in a grid that was planet-wide. And the way they did this was building gigantic pyramids at various key places on grid lines around the earth. 
And taking the pyramids, let's say, from Egypt, there was a king's chamber and a queen's chamber. And if you would go into those chambers, and I'm talking about thousands of years ago when these things were still functioning, uh, and it was a male and a female yogi who would go into these chambers, but they were the most adept, the highest level frequency uh, uh, holders who would go into these. And sometimes there were several pyramids next to each other and with different pairs of yogis, and they would all have to resonate at the same chakra seven frequency. And that would be broadcast because of the nature of the pyramid shape and the way it was constructed and what was made of it and the crystals inside of it, etc. It would connect with pyramids that had yogis in all parts of the world. There were such uh, pyramids in Eastern Europe. There were in India. The, the Indian temples were shaped the same way, had the same functions. China had them, and uh, there, there's even in uh, what is now Antarctica, which was originally in a different place, and, of course, the Mayan pyramids, etc. And uh, you also had yogis where there were no uh, pyramids who would go to the top of mountains, and, and uh, they would be able to capture the vibrational frequency and pass it on, to root it. It, it had to get re-rooted so that it covered the entire planet, and it created an energy field that literally was strong enough to enter into the brain of every inhabitant and keep them functioning at chakra six or seven. And so there was peace. And there was never any conflict. There were no wars during that whole period. And the system functioned for a long period of time until what happened was they no longer were able to produce yogis who could do the work. Because to go into these pyramids, which was a, a gigantic isolation chamber, right? Totally dark, totally uh, free of interference patterns. You were absolutely alone. You would go into a deep meditative state and become absolutely bodiless and empty. And in this nothingness, you would pick up the highest God self vibrations. And they would be magnified and bounce back and, and fill the space with such intense energy that then it would shoot out uh, of the top and the sides of the pyramid and connect with others. And, and it would be broadcast around the planet. But you had to be able to tolerate that vibrational frequency for a very long period of time. You had to be able to maintain the silence and the, the focus and the concentration for hours at a time. Now, once this was created, the pyramid would continue to vibrate. And there were crystals inside it as well that held the vibration like a battery for long periods. So they didn't have to live in there. They would just go in when the vibrational frequency started to go down and give it a, a, a battery boost. But uh, it maintained itself. And it was also a way to um, transmit information. So people could know uh, what was going on in Mexico, in Egypt, or in China, or whatever. And if something had to be done in those different areas to balance a certain negative energy field, they could do that. And they could, uh, they could ally to create certain uh, effects where there were weak spots in the, what we could call the pranic meridians of Gaia. And it was kept at a very consistent level. But then once the power to do that had been lost and, the, uh, and there were no longer any or a sufficient number of yogis who had that power, 
the system broke down. And those civilizations fell, they were invaded, and uh, the information about how to maintain those frequencies and all of the wisdom that uh, had been accumulated was completely uh, destroyed. So there was at that point a cut. It was the end of the Copper Age. Once that happened, huge uh, earth changes happened and an entirely new yuga began where that information and that power had been lost. And then we get a much lower level of, uh, of yogic uh, teaching that still comes from uh, great beings like Buddha, Jesus, etc., but they were not nearly at the level of the beings of the previous yuga. And so we don't even know what our potential is or have any sense of, uh, of how the world really functions when its uh, residents are in true God consciousness. But it is this that we are called upon now to recreate, to return to. Nothing less will do if we are to save the planet. And some people are interested in doing that. So there is a civilization that is now dying. It must die to take the people suffering out of their misery, but there must be a rebirth and a redreaming, and that can only happen if our own vibrational frequency or that of sufficient number of yogis consistently is able to draw in that information and that power to shift the quantum wave function of the unified field that underlies this hologram and do so with absolute accuracy. So that's what the training is about. And that training can only succeed if one has no psychological resistances to attaining liberation from the ego. And in the second stage meditation, we are dealing with the resistances of the heart, of our, our resistance to loving everyone absolutely and unconditionally. Not loving their egos, mind you. That's not what's being talked about but loving their real being by seeing through the ego, seeing what is real, and enabling the real within each being to emerge from its hidden, obscured, repressed, forgotten uh, place in the unconscious and, or in the superconscious, it comes to the same, and bring it fully into consciousness by vibrating it at that same frequency, by sending the same kind of crystalline energy into every body, mind, and heart so that that kind of vibrational level can be consistently maintained by someone until they can do the work of self-purification and then establish themselves independently at that level. And this has always been the function of uh, those who are transmitting the Dharma to the levels that it can be transmitted. And of course, at the highest levels, it's not about talk. It's uh, simply a function of the actual work 
of remaining in that highest level of frequency that has to be in total silence, emptiness of ego, and the emptiness, the absolute nothingness that we talked about last night in somewhat of a comic way, but which is very serious, that absolute nothingness is the place from which the infinite potencies of the presence of God consciousness emerges. So the nothingness and the emptiness is fullness and the capacity to create a cosmos and sustain it and transform it. It has that power if we know how to use it and have earned the right to use it through our own purification and our own earning of that function in the planetary ecosystem that is granted only by the direct will of God. So it can't be uh, stolen, it can't be <clears throat> abused, it, it can't be misused by black magic practitioners. Uh, they can achieve certain levels of psychic of capacity, but they cannot reach those levels that could threaten a, uh, a liberated avataric being. But only one at that level would be able to deal with such negative energies. And so the process <clears throat> has to involve the letting go of the ego and all of its disturbances and illusions and false uh, desires and its fears. But that's just the beginning. Then we start the real work of the purification of the heart. And it's after that that we go into the third stage where we deal with the, the final uh, resistances which are the most difficult and dangerous to uh, encounter. And one has to be prepared and one has to be willing to take the ultimate risks that are involved because it's a very, very high stakes endeavor and uh, it's a razor's edge and only those who are completely pure of heart uh, can or even should undertake to enter into that stage or will be able to do so and probably will have no interest in doing so if they haven't reached that stage where they are called from within to achieve this. But in principle, everyone can do it. And in principle, you don't need to hear any secret teachings because if you're ready, you will receive them from within. So I'm not holding anyone back. Uh, I'm, I'm really trying to protect people from uh, premature knowledge that would not be understood accurately. But if one receives it from within, it means one was ready to grok it from 
the, uh, the direct mouth of God, if you will. One of the difficulties is the amount of intense energy that will come through when one has let go, not just of the ego, but of the sensor in particular. Those defenses that have protected us from too much knowledge of the presence of God because of the ego's traumas, shame, guilt, all of the negative uh, turmoil that that encounter, if made prematurely, would create uh, have to be dealt with through the moral strength to cut them away ruthlessly without any attachment to egoic traits, desires, fantasies, uh, or any wish to remain <clears throat> at the level of the herd, and one has to be willing to go into absolute aloneness to discover that supreme real that is only given to those few who are willing to let go of everything else in order to get the ultimate treasure of the face-to-face -face encounter with God. I think I'll stop there and open the floor if anyone has any questions about any of that. So in stage one meditation, is it more important to focus on, let's say, um, building one's ability to concentrate and master the mind rather than um, feelings of, of love that would be more that um, would in case too. It depends on the personality type. Uh, if it is a more of a bhakti personality then that love of God, even though it's still imaginary within the ego, will raise the vibrational frequency. Love, that's what love does, right? That's why people love to fall in love, even if it's a fantasy and an infatuation. Uh, it's, it, for a time being, it makes people happy. It brings the vibrational frequency up, makes one feel whole, it, it satisfies that desire to be adored, etc. And for as long as it lasts, which uh, these days uh, love affairs have a very short shelf life, but uh, for whatever period, it will create uh, a, a sense of euphoria. And then, of course, when you're dumped, you're devastated and fall into a black hole. But to, to whatever extent there is some reality uh, to that love, then it enables you to then rise to an even higher level. So if there is love of God that is sincere and honest to the level of the ego's capacity for such honesty and, and a conception of God that at least is close enough to the mark of, of what God really is and, and what that term signifies, then there will be an inrush of energies that enable the vibrational frequency to rise higher. But for some people, that is, that's not going to work, and they would have to force it. 
And for those who are much more, let's say, uh, logically, conceptually oriented, then it has to be done in more of a jnani way and through an analytic cutting away of the falseness. And, and that can be just as effective and for some much more effective. And it can also be done uh, simply through the, uh, the, the desire uh, to do such karma yoga, such good actions, that one releases oneself of negative self-images and, and self-concepts. And uh, through a kind of prayer and remorse and working through one's uh, sins, the way Santa Teresa, in effect, was, uh, was going about it, will also be a way that at stage one can be uh, effective. But it won't, none of those things will work at uh, once one gets to stage two and they won't be they won't enable you to hold the emptiness for a sufficiently long time to get to phase to stage two unless you have connected with the shakti that is coming from the source and you have uh, created an axis through which you can uh, return to that connection and continue to uh, fill your battery, your soul battery, your brain battery, with an increasing amount of that higher vibrational frequency energy, and so that you can build on each meditation and get to higher and higher levels. And that's why it's so important to meditate several times a day for a long enough time to really build up the reserves in the battery so it doesn't get discharged during the day but you could meditate for you know an hour in a state of pure love of the ego's level of love uh, and come out feeling really blissful and then have some encounter with somebody 10 minutes later in which you get furious at them for something they do and your whole battery gets discharged just like that it doesn't hold and so as long as there's an ego there whose buttons can get pushed and you can get either angry or fall into some other negative uh, emotional state, your your frequency is not going to be able to be consistently maintained. And so it one has to guard one's uh, uh, way of dealing and of uh, interacting with everyone in a very mindful way. Even, you know, negative thoughts and curse words and, and uh, uh, just uh, re reactions that come from uh, a chakra three or lower place will, will, will shift your energy and destroy the harmony that was built up. So it requires a real, true, consistent uh, dedication to the, uh, the, the protection of this crystalline uh, vehicle, both its uh, gross manifestations and its subtle manifestations and cultivating the accuracy of its vibrational frequency to receive ever more uh, information and power and then gradually be able to open its heart and process everything that comes from the depths and, and release it finally until one is completely able to surrender totally to being that manifest 
vibrational vessel of divine consciousness. One has to be totally dedicated to that goal if it's going to be achieved. Um, what is, I have a two-part question, what is the role of the soul in getting through these levels of meditation? Is the soul always on the side of the highest self, or does it play a kind of compromise position where it's kind of has some nostalgia for the ego, or some tolerance of it, and some... It depends on the, uh, the state of the soul. Not every soul is in the same state, so you can't speak of this... Uh, in a way that uh, it will uh, be accurate for everyone. Some souls are more ripped apart uh, by karmas in previous lifetimes and, and the present life, so that they, the soul itself is not able to hold the energy. It, it no longer functions as a battery. If the soul is relatively undamaged, then it's much easier. You can the soul will, will function as the battery and the ego will be able to be dissolved because you have a, a, a higher operating system already ready to replace it. But if the soul is too damaged to be able to complete that function, then you have to uh, inculcate pure spirit to be able to do that. And it's not that the, the, the soul is going to be negative or contrary at that level, but it'll be too weak and too leaky to be able to uh, do its job. And, and then you have to bring in the eternal light itself. If you don't have the Nair Tamid sitting there in your pineal gland, it ain't going to work. There's nothing short of that that's going to do it. So you have to be able to inculcate that divine luminosity and hold it until the the soul is repaired or dissolved because it's no longer needed and there's already been a transcendence but it has you have to go directly to the highest level okay thank you for the teaching it has been beautiful hearing it in multiple uh, perspectives from yesterday to today. I was wondering how one cultivates its soul. Because we have been focusing on how to defeat the, um, the ego, but you said something very positive today that that it could be one from within or from without, like from outside. And I think uh, our approach, or at least that's how I have felt it. The approach has been uh, with a lot of information and, and it has done its job. It's, it's making the, the ego trapped. But what about cultivating the, the soul, which, which I feel it's in a, all in a close, close to our hearts. And I have made all my bets that it's my soul who brought me here. But you talk about or through the time I have been here, like the deterioration of the soul and, and that it can get cracked and now, now you're saying that it can it have multiple uh, deficiencies, but how one cultivates the soul? Well, I'm wondering why you're asking that rather than cultivating the Atman. You see, because you can bypass the soul and enter into the Holy Spirit directly. 
So why go through an intermediary vehicle when you can reach the goal directly? And especially if that vehicle itself is uh, an old jalopy that needs to be repaired so much that uh, you're going to spend a lot more of your life energy um, in the shop than you are on the road. Uh, so I think that the, for most people at the end of Kali Yuga who are old souls and whose souls um, barely got them here alive and uh, don't function to uh, destroy the ego and help them ascend because they haven't got that power, the power has to come from spirit. And if the Holy Spirit is not uh, inculcated and, uh, and manifested, then the, uh, the soul will, will, by itself, not be able to do the job that you need to have done, which is the complete dissolution of the false self, the ego, and the raising of the vibrational level to that of God consciousness. And if you don't reach that ultimate level of the Godhead, then the, the work will have been in vain and, and the soul level is not high enough. But I have found the, or at least I have concluded in par partially, a, or learned that it's one's mission to, to, reach a, to reach God. That's the will that but I, I don't, I, I have felt like that the process, and I felt like some comfort when you said that uh, yesterday that being in the path, it, it's enlightenment according to whatever you, you get, but the, the path seems a, a less challenging in the way that acquiring that consciousness uh, every time brings more uh, Retos, eh, struggles. So, so I have found the, um, I have found that through through the eyes of the of the soul, it's beautiful even to to like how you mentioned it one time to admire a sunset. You know that something that was long gone, forgotten, and just <coughs> to see a flower, admire it, and I, I feel that also enriches the, the process and makes it... Fabian, let me stop you. I'm not going to argue with you. What you're saying is beautiful, it's wonderful, but it won't get you to where I'm talking about. So uh, you're free to admire the flowers and nature and be happy at that level. What I'm talking about is something different entirely, at, at a, a quantum leap level uh, beyond uh, what you're, uh, you're, you're trying to uh, hold on to. And as the world falls into its final death throes, I think you'll find that it, you didn't reach an adequate level to be able to deal with the challenges that will be faced. And you may be fooling yourself. But I'm not going to try to convince you of that. I'm, I'm here to teach what I, I know is the truth and you accept it or not. Okay. If you're at a soul level, it's a lot better than being at an ego level. And, and you'll, you will indeed be much better off, and you'll receive a higher level of information that may indeed tell you to get to the level of spirit, not just of soul. But that has to be something you work out internally with yourself. 
but it was yeah, I was hitting more in the question of the levels of of the meditation. I, I thought I was starting to construct a, um, a a theory that you you get through those levels of meditation, reaching like a, a soul level, and then you go higher. Yes, but what we're talking about here is you see the soul is. Uh, a particular kind of vessel that has different elements to it. And the element that's most important is the heart. And we have to differentiate the heart from the soul, okay? And, and it is specifically the capacity to love. And it's not about loving flowers and sunsets. Those are easy. It's loving other human beings who have mean and nasty egos. That's really the question. And how do you relate to a world that is full of people that you don't trust and that who make you furious uh, or who bring out other not soul-like reactions but egoic reactions. Mm -hmm. and, and unless we have the power to be able to relate with divine love and accuracy without desire, without fear, and without ourselves uh, entering into any karmic enmeshment, we are not going to be able to rise to a high enough level to fulfill the highest function that alone will, uh, will enable us to graduate from this school. That's, that's the question that you have to ask. Mm -hmm. Yeah, go ahead. Hanuman. Um, I'm wondering about the, that, that readiness and where does that really come from to be able to manifest the Holy Spirit and it seems as though you can recognize where you're at as as being still stuck in the ego and and wanting to break free of that and to to be able to gain the power to bring in those those forces that will, are the only way to to truly go past it but there seems to be like uh, it's not a choice, of the ego can't make that choice. That's true, but you're not just an ego. Find out who you are, and then you'll get the ego out of the way. And uh, the choice is already made, you see. So that's why it's so important to go into that level of emptiness where you don't believe what your ego tells you, and the affects that the ego is creating to lower your vibrational frequency, because that's the only e function of the ego keep your vibrational frequency so low that you never have the desire to rise. It doesn't even occur to you. Uh, you know, it doesn't enter into the frame of reference of the ego. Keep yourself focused on everything you hate about other people and focused on, you know, uh, wanting to change them and they're the fault and blame them for this and that or, or on desires uh, based on fantasies of being rich, famous or with prestige or whatever it is, you know, that, that, that is the the bringer of jouissance, but all of those things are futile and petty and result in more suffering and negativity. And once you know that, and you recognize that the ego is a dead end, you use your reason and your intelligence and the willpower that you have to throw the monkey off your back and let the divine monkey enter, and, and you open your heart, as Hanuman does, and is able to serve Rama directly and recapture the lost 
soul of uh, that that is truly God's beloved Sita and free her so that she can rise again to that level of ultimate goddesshood it's it's that function that we have to to save the uh, the divinity of of our being both the the goddess and the god to be able to live as divine beings together in a world in which there are no conflicts. And, and it's when you get that and are able to maintain that as your reason for, for living that you will end the ego's reign very quickly and you will be able to take the throne of your consciousness as the master over your mind and then blow out all the stops and reach God consciousness. It will happen very easily. You just have to want that and realize it's the only thing worth doing in this life. Um, it's a two-part question. I don't know if they're related, but um, you hardly ever talk about crystals and you mentioned crystalline vibration and crystals and the crystals in the pyramids, um, the crystals in the water. Could you explain a little more about crystals? <clears throat> well, the real uh, crystals we need to be able to uh, construct are thought crystals. Thought itself is crystalline. If it's a beautiful thought, and all the mandalas that you see in the yantras and all that are simply uh, visual depictions of holy thoughts. Okay? And if you are sending out holy thoughts from chakra six and seven, and even chakra four, you, you are sending out into the environment thought crystals that will be picked up by other people's minds and that will have an effect of raising their consciousness, even if they don't know what, what happened or where this came from because it was too subtle for it to be perceived by their conscious mind. But that's what we want to do, is send out the highest and most beautiful thought crystals at every moment that contain within them the remembrance of the presence of God that's actually built into the structure of the crystal itself. And, uh, and then someone will encounter it and they'll have a vision or they'll have a, an image or they'll have a heart opening because they, they took in that energy in that form. So ultimately, that's all we are. That's all the soul is, really, is a thought crystal. And, and it produces other crystalline vibrations that come off of it that, that maintain its shape, its form, as uh, that of ultimate beauty, right? The crystal, when it is perfected and without any, any flaws in it, in the same way you want a diamond without flaws, right? then it produces those holiest of powerful thoughts that when it's combined with a meditative shakti-filled energy that comes within the crystal, the diamond and the lotus, right, as the Buddhists put it, it puts out such powerful energy that it transforms anyone in the space. And it can be even sent out remotely as far as you want in space because there's no limitation. So that's what you are. Ultimately, the whole organism is a crystal. 
And the more that you bring in the energy of God's crystalline purity, the more that you become a, a pure archetypal crystalline image of the goddess or the God self. And that itself does the work of transformation. So that implies that we all have in ourselves a Which self? I'm sorry? Which, Which self? self? <laughs> okay, in our real self, in our Atman, I guess, a receiver that is able, or the soul maybe at this point, that, that is able to... The problem is the soul can't do it, can't function. The ego can't do it, the ego will resist it, the soul isn't strong enough. And if you can reach the Atman, fine, but how many people can directly reach the Atman, you see? This is the catch-22. So the only way to get there is via emptiness. We can empty out the ego mm -hmm. and invite the Atman into that space mm -hmm. through surrender, through humility, through absolute love. Uh, we can call it, but we can't command it. It is only after that has been received and the recognition of the Atman has been identified and been able to be uh, emplaced by God in that space of the command center, the Agya Chakra, mm -hmm. so that that function remains consistent and strong, that that vibrational uh, frequency that is pure crystalline God uh, and divine love energy will be maintained consistently, mm -hmm. right? But it can't be done except through surrender and humility and emptiness, mm -hmm. not through... Uh, the power that you think you may have because all of that's been exhausted. So that's why there has to be a purity of intention of really wanting to have that yes. um, connection, say, to... Mm -hmm. uh, can I ask a second question? It's about the sensor. You said that, um, that the intensity of the vibrational frequency once the sensor is... Um, I don't know if destroyed or, or depotentiated. Depotentiated is um, is so intense that it wasn't clear to me that w w the feeling function is is let's say potentiated to feel absolutely everything the 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 negative and the positive or. or the question is, is what happens when the sensor falls? You said that the intensity is... If the sensor falls prematurely and there is still a lot of negative, uh, demonic desires and, uh, and energies, chakra three, fury, all of that, if that's still there, then the intensity of the energy of God consciousness will be at such uh, antagonistic... Uh, uh, connection with it that that uh, and if you have not yet chosen sides because you're still attached to that that's why it was still there uh, then you're going to be ripped apart by it and there'll be dread terror shame guilt there'll be it will be an infinite intensity of of horror it will be the worst nightmare because you haven't let go of of things that in the face of God's judgment it, it will destroy you. You'll you li literally wither. People die, they have heart attacks in that 
kind of a situation. Or they go psychotic because they can't handle it. And I, I, I know cases of that. So I, I can tell you this is a fact. And, and that's why even just taking a little too much LSD can create a, a psychotic meltdown. Uh, so the, one has to be very careful with these substances that will uh, remove, at least temporarily, the, uh, the sensor and too much information and, and too much higher presence comes in in which one realizes one is being seen mm. uh, and, and you're not ready to be seen because there's too much shame about what is being seen. Mm. That's why in the process of purification one needs to, to face all of these, let's say, demons or negative That's aspects. right, that's right. And that's why we do sessions with people to try to help them to release this voluntarily mm. so that then they will be ready and, and will be able to desire mm -hmm. to be seen by God. question regarding uh, vibrational frequencies and um, let's say that one is able to to witness there's an eye that's able to witness the character being anxious for example what's the what affects the the feel the vibrational field the, the actual anxiety of the character or what what happens with this awareness? Like, if there's a detachment, let's say, that you're just observing uh, yourself acting anxious, mm -hmm. to put mm -hmm. an example. Okay. But, but you're, you know it's not yourself, but it, you can't help it. It's just acting there, and you're just detaching from it. But what <clears> affects? Well, you're not just detaching from it. The question is, what is your intention? What is your relationship to whatever the issues are that are creating anxiety? Do you want them gone? Do you want, do you want to offer yourself completely to this higher frequency in which there won't be any of that anymore? If you do, and you can turn inward, not just observing the anxiety and the egoic desires and fears, etc., but if you can turn inward away from that toward the source of your being, you will receive the light and the shakti that will then be the primary vibrational frequency that will be able to dissolve the ego. But if all you're doing is watching it in horror and, oh my God, this is terrible, but I can't do anything about it, I'm stuck, this is who I am, and you're still identified, well, then that's the frequency that will dominate. Okay. I have mm -hmm. a second question. Um, when you say, like, for example, a phrase like, if we are to save the planet, we need to vibrate at the, mm -hmm. our highest frequency level. There's, there's a part of, of the ego, I guess, that, that reacts to, to that phrase as like a blasphemy. Like, even though I grew Why? up... Why? Like, That's Christianity. Yeah, That's even though I grew up in, in that... Um, blasphemy according to who? <laughs> what frame of reference is that blasphemy? In the sense that, who am I to... You're a child of God. Yeah, but if this is God's dream, like, yeah. why... Because God has chosen you. You've come into this space because you want to rise spiritually, right? Mm -hmm. you, you want to belong to God. You want to be saved. 
and then to help serve the Savior. That's what Christ is called, the Savior, right? <clears throat> do you want salvation, and do you want to help in the salvation of all souls? If you do, God wants you. God needs you. You know, it's like Uncle Sam wants you in the U.S. You know? <laughs> God wants you. It's not that who am I. It's who are you to refuse the call of God to serve in the highest way? You know, that's hubris. That's arrogance. Let's say, no, no, God, I'm not interested. Go to somebody else. No, if you're being called here, it means that you are meant to achieve that. And so then if you deny it, that's your ego thinking you know better than God. I, I wouldn't want to meet him in the final judgment after have been blowing him off that way, you know, because uh, you, you, there's no basis for you to think that you are not an equal child of God who could become a manifestation of that divine beauty, love, power, goodness, and, and energy. So go for it until you hear directly from God otherwise. Assume that it's meant for you. I guess it's, it's that it comes from, okay, this is God's dream. If God's dream is to, to have the planet be over, yeah. Why, why would I Well, but the point is how it gets saved is, uh, is in, in totally in God's hands. You're not determining that. It may be saved after a destruction. It may be reborn. Well, you know, it's not that you, you, you will determine how it works. All you will be doing is enabling God's dream to be manifest more powerfully you will become one of those nodes of consciousness that vibrates in accord with the will of God so that it will happen more accurately. You're, you're not making any decisions here. That's why you have to be in emptiness. So you have no ego getting in the way of God's will. And however God... And God may, God's interest is in saving souls, not in saving the planet. But the world is actually the souls because... All, all the world is is vibrational frequency, and it's the souls who contain that frequency. Matter will respond, okay? That, that's, that's simply the background of the dream, but the souls are the living embodiments of that frequency that can uh, be modulated in accord with its closeness or distance from the source. So the closer you go to the source, the more that you can give that salvific energy to others, who are dying because they, they have no energy to save themselves. Okay. Thanks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Can vibrations travel with sounds? And with what? Sound, with the sound. Ah. Can um, the sound like, change your level of frequency? That's a very good question. Um, yes and no, okay? It's analogous to that. And, and in a way, what we are doing is the same thing that a, a classical singer will do in, in, in vocal training. We're learning to hold the highest notes the, of the highest frequency, but it's not within the realm or range of audible sound. It's at a much higher um, octave so that it, it is pure silence, but it is, uh, you could say, on the same spectrum. But above sound, you get then light, and then above light, then you get the divine level of, uh, of consciousness. It's all on a single spectrum. And if you are singing, let's say audibly singing or making sound 
uh, with that vibrational frequency in the in the spirit that that is motivating you to sing or to chant or whatever uh, from that level, then the sound wave will be a carrier wave of that higher vibrational frequency, and then it will function in that way. And that's why the greatest singers uh, are loved because of the, the energy of love that is carried on their voices and what makes their voices seem so beautiful is not just the technical expertise, but the, the power and purity of their love, their heart energy that is coming through the voice. Okay? It's only from a person or someone. It, it can be something like music you listen to. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, it can be ordered, like sounds in the nature. Sure. But again, most recorded music is not going to contain that highest frequency. And even the sounds of nature, unless you are perceiving them from that higher frequency, you won't be, you won't pick it up. You won't, the, the frequency will be too subtle of its divine nature. All of this is God right now. If we were open to it, we would be in bliss at this very instant, and, and this would be the kingdom of heaven just because we were all vibrating at that level. And, and the, the transformation would happen simply through that shift of, of frequency. But uh, the, the ego cannot perceive those uh, higher vibrational levels, and it will only generally see the grosser levels, of whether it's of nature or of, uh, of some uh, art or or music, or some uh, uh, some more artificial uh, creation. Okay. Thank you for listening to the Spiritual Teachings with Shunyamurti podcast. For more information on programs and retreats, click on the calendar section of our website, www.satyoga.org. Our work is made possible by the generous support of our listeners, viewers, and members. To make a donation, please visit the donate page of our website. We thank you for your support in our mission to share this timeless wisdom with the world. Namaste.